Well, hello again, and welcome to another one of our Triple Stack Sundays. This is Buck Benny speaking. Today we have the Jack Benny Show from October 26, 1947, where Jack is still hanging out at the golf course. Then following that, we have a day with Phil Harris from the same day, October 26, 1947. Then we jump back 10 years and get to spend some time with Jack actually buying the Maxwell for the first time. So that's kind of cool that we get a chance to spend some time with that. The both Jack Benny shows have upgraded sound since last time I played them, especially the 1937 is much improved, and I think you're really going to enjoy listening to that episode. The 1947 is just amazing, the sound. I had great sound before, now it's even better. So I want to thank the folks over at Cobalt Club for continuing to make upgrades and find new versions of the shows that have even better sound. Now, I thought I would spend a little more time with Kathy fuller Seely's book, Jack Benny and the Golden Age of Radio. And this is chapter five, it's about Rochester. And I thought I'd read you about Rochester because I think from this time in 1947 up until the end of the radio era, Rochester and Jack's relationship starts to change and feel more like a bickering friendship than it does an employee-employer relationship, which is really neat to have with a black and white actor at the time. Now, um, Kathy has two chapters on Rochester. This is the beginning of Chapter 5. Chapter 4 covers the beginning of Rochester, and this is uh, a later Rochester chapter. So Chapter 5 is Rochester and the Revenge of Uncle Tom in the 1940s and 1950s. And it says, By 1941, after four years on the radio with Jack Benny, playing the sly comic servant Rochester, and three films at Paramount in which he and Benny practically co-starred, Andy Ederson had achieved unprecedented levels of popularity in mainstream American media and broken new ground for interracial acceptance. Hope in the African-American community were high that Anderson's success was the harbinger of a new era of increased opportunities and recognition for black performers. Despite the occasional lapses into stereotypical minstrel show type behavior with which Benny's radio writers still saddled Rochester, Anderson used his unique voice, wit, intelligence, and great sense of comic timing to transform the role of valet, butler, housekeeper, and chauffeur into a complex, very human character. With the start of World War II and the government's efforts to promote racial tolerance and greater inclusion of African Americans in the labor force and military, Anderson's professional prospects expanded further. As he served as a useful spokesperson for those ideals. He was now a big star with a multifaceted career that spanned movies, radio, musical shows, and toured the country and recordings of novelty songs, with every indication that it would only be only continue to grow. Anderson was offered a major role in all black cast film at MGM and minor but prominent roles in other Hollywood films. 
massive crossover success almost coalesced for Anderson. But then unanticipated events and complex cultural change conspired to heap as much criticism as praise upon his head. Accusations that Rochester was an Uncle Tom rose from the black critics on the one hand, and objections to his egalitarian relationships with whites erupted from white racists on the other. Anyway, I'll stop there. What a great view into the internal workings of the show and how Rochester, the character, and Andy Anderson, the man, were affected by being on the Jack Benny show and affected our society. To have two chapters that focus specifically on Rochester is wonderful. We've, there's no book out there on Rochester. There's there's so little known that it is wonderful that Kathy Fuller Seeley pulled this together as part of her book about Jack Benny. So I would highly recommend that you go out and get this book. It's on Amazon. I'll do another link to it. It's $19 for the, the Kindle version, $34 for the paperback version. Uh, I would highly recommend either of those books for you. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode of The Jack Benny Show. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. An outstanding example, Lucky Strike. In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And year in, year out, consistently, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows. Mr. John Cummins of Santhiana, Kentucky, has sold basket by basket over 79 million pounds of tobacco at auction. He recently had this to say. I've sold tobacco at auctions for over 19 years. In all that time, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco. Tobacco that's got quality, real quality. I've smoked Lucky's myself for 22 years. Year after year, independent tobacco experts like Mr. Cummings can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, and fine tobacco means real deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, last Sunday, Jack Benny went out to Hillcrest Country Club to play golf, and on the seventh hole, he hit a terrific slice into the woods and lost his golf ball. But that was last week. So now, let's pick up Jack and Rochester and see what they're doing. Now, let's see. The ball came to the left of this bush, which means it probably hit that rock on the right and bounced off at a 30-degree angle, which would put it a... No, we looked there Monday. Oh, boss! Boss! Yes? It ain't up in this tree. Can I come down now? <laughs> all right. Look, boss, we've been out here all week. Why don't we give up and go home? No, Roger, we're going to find that ball. And anyway, what are you complaining about? It's good to get out in the woods close to Mother Nature and, and rough it. 
Maybe so, but if President Truman found out we ate that gopher on Meatless Tuesday, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, I don't think we need to worry. They won't start another investigation just for that, I don't think. Now, let's see. Uh, <laughs> the ball might have bounced to the right here. You ought to give up playing golf, boss. It upsets you so much when you lose anything. It does not upset me. What about the time that you got the wrong number on the telephone, you didn't get your nickel back, you raised a fuss over that? You're darn right, I, I raised a fuss. Yeah, but it didn't get you anything. The jury was prejudiced. <laughs> now, let's see. If I were a golf ball, where would I go? The ground is softer here. <coughs> Maybe if I... What's that? What's that? Oh, it's only a dog. Here, doggy, doggy. <laughs> hey, boss. I think we must have wandered far away from the golf course. Why? This dog has got a keg of brandy around his neck. <laughs> oh, that. Well, the club had to fix up a dog like this when Phil Harris joined. <laughs> uh, run along, doggy. We're busy. Run along. Keg must have a leak in it. <laughs> now, come on, Rochester. Let's look over by... Oh, my goodness, it's 12 o'clock. i got to get over to NBC. Drive me down, will you, Rochester? Okay, but are we going to come back after the show and keep looking for the ball? Well, no, I don't think so. Then I better take down the tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't forget to notify the post office we're going back to our old address. You know? <laughs> come on. Rochester, drive straight up Sunset to Vine Street. Yes, sir. It's sure good to see people again. Yeah. Shine on, shine on, harvest moon up in the sky. I ain't made no money during August, September, June, and July. La, I wonder if I should get a summer show. La, 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 la. Uh-oh, uh-oh, looks like we're running out of gas. Well, pull, uh, pull into that station on the corner there. <laughs> the attendants seem to be busy. Oh, look, Rochester, there's Norman Krasner having his car filled. He never misses my program. He thinks I'm the funniest guy in the world. Hey, Norman! Norman, it's me! <laughs> He's wonderful. Honk the horn, Rochester, so we can get some service. Shall I fill her up, sir? Uh, two gallons, please. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. <laughs> hello. You might as well fill it up, boss, or we'll have to stop again. Well, uh, how, how much is gas, bud? Uh, 21 cents a gallon. 21 cents a gallon. Well, all right, fill her up. Yes, sir. Twenty-one. <laughs> Forty-two. 
63. 84. <laughs> well, that fills it up, Mr. Benny. Shall I... Mr. Benny? You loosen this collar, I'll go get some water. <laughs> I'm all right now. By the way, did you check the tires? Yes, and congratulations, all four of them are there. <laughs> good, good. Uh, that'll be a dollar eighty-six for the gas. Uh, charge it, please. Yes, sir. Your credit card number? Two O six B Y. Your license? Seven W O four six. Your age? Thirty-eight. <laughs> well, we better get going, Rochester. Yes, sir. So long, Norman. Don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> that Norman has a great sense of humor. Now hurry, Rochester, or we'll be late. Huh? Okay, I got the radio in the car fixed. You want me to turn it on? Yeah. Now, our next request comes from someone right here in Hollywood whose initials are D.D. 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 requests us to play that new number, You Do, sung by Dennis Day. D.D. Must be Deanna Durbin. <laughs> Turn it up, Rochester. We'll hear it. Lord. 
give me three guesses. One will do. D. D. Could be Donald Duck. No, he's in Washington. <laughs> Here we are at NBC, Rochester. Now, Rochester, I've been thinking it over, and maybe you ought to go back to the golf course and look for my ball. Okay, okay. Too many rings on your fingers, a naughty and July. <laughs> Uh, you laugh at romance. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, Mr. Kitzel. <laughs> hey, I haven't seen you in quite a while. Are you still working at the drugstore? No, no, I lost that job. And it was a little bit your fault. My fault? Yes, I'm always listening to your show. And on your program, the man is saying, keep your eye on the Red Bull's eye. Uh-huh. So, one day, while I'm keeping my eye on the Red Bull's eye... Yes? Somebody stole the cash register. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I hope, uh, I hope you have another job. Oh, I'm much better one. Really? I'm now doing a little extra work in pictures. Oh, in pictures, that's yes. wonderful. What, what pictures have you been in? Well, I was in Dark Sausage, mm -hmm. <laughs> Mendel of the Movies, and Forever Epstein. <laughs> good, good. You know, but most of all, I like to work in westerns. Oh, westerns? They went that way. And smile when you say that, partner. <laughs> Hey, hey, you know, Kitchell, you're pretty good. You should see me on a horse. <laughs> really? When I'm on a horse, I'm looking like Hopalong. Cassidy? Who, me? <laughs> oh, well, I gotta run into rehearsal, Mr. Kitchell. See you again, huh? Thank you. And by the way, Mr. Benny, if you ever come out to Republic Studios, look me up. I will. Just ask for text. Everybody knows me. <laughs> Okay, goodbye, Tex. Goodbye. Give me land, lots of land, if the stars skies above, they went that way. <laughs> well, I better get into rehearsal. Huh? Gosh, NBC is a nice studio. I don't know, they keep it so clean and so... <laughs> I wish Fibber and Molly would stop waxing these floors. <laughs> oh, well. I wonder if Mary's in her dressing room. Come in. Hello, Mary. What are you doing? Oh, I was just reading the radio, Mary. There's a picture you hear on page 28. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's the one I had taken when I was in the service. Gee, you were handsome in that uniform. Yeah. Jack, whose arm is that around you? A fellow from the draft board. <laughs> He didn't turn me loose till we got to Europe. 
Say, what are all those letters over there? Uh, fan mail for our show. Fan mail? That's the biggest batch yet. Any for me? Yes, a bill from Lady Esther. <laughs> oh. And Jack. What? I got a letter from Mama, too. I must read it to you. A letter from your mother, yeah. eh? Yeah. Uh, what does the cure for the hiccups have to say? Go <laughs> <laughs> read it, Mary. Oh, okay. My darling daughter, Mary, I would have written you sooner, but I've been so busy. Two weeks ago, your Uncle Lou and Aunt Ruby dropped in on us from Seattle, and we had to put them up in the little guest house in the back. I hope they leave before Halloween, as the kids always tip it over. <laughs> very happy to tell you that your sister Babe is getting married next Sunday. Babe's getting married Sunday? This week will be a busy one for her. Tomorrow, she's quitting her job. Tuesday and Wednesday, she'll buy her going-away outfit. Thursday, she'll have the final fitting on her wedding gown. And Friday, she's making reservations for the honeymoon. Well. I hope she doesn't oversleep Saturday because that's the only day she has left to find a man. <laughs> Quiet, quiet. Do you mean to say that Babella has... Oh, that Babe has... <laughs> quiet, Jack. There's some more. Oh, oh. <laughs> Last week, Babe was helping her father weather strip the house. They were on the third floor, and Papa was hanging out the window while Babe was holding him by the feet. And now Papa's in the hospital. How, how did it happen, Mary? Read on. Uh, while Babe was holding Papa out the window, her ex-boyfriend passed by. They had an argument. And Babe thought he said, drop dad. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> no other news will so it close. With love and kisses from your mother, Benzedrine Livingston. Nice name. P.S. <laughs> oh, there's more? Yes. Tell Jack I heard his first three programs. Well... That was in 1932, and I haven't listened to him since. <laughs> Your mother thinks she's so smart because she used to be a Gibson girl. <laughs> now, come on, we better get over on the stage. Look out, Mary. Take it easy, because these floors are very slippery, you know. Well, I didn't have any trouble when I came in. Well, I'm warning you. They've just been waxed, and the first thing you know, you... <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> okay. Give me your hand, Jack. I can get up myself. <laughs> I hope Phil's here. Let's go in. Uh, we won't rehearse anymore, gentlemen. That last rendition was exactly as I wanted it. And before you leave, I'd like to compliment each and every one of you upon your dignified conduct here this afternoon. Now, you may go now, and I would appreciate it if you would leave quiet. Thank you. <laughs> Phil. Phil. Patrillo boy. <laughs> Phil. Huh? Oh, hiya, Jackson. Hello, Livy. Hello, Phil. Oh, you should have been here. We just got through rehearsing. I know, Phil. I saw the boys leave. And believe me, I haven't seen a crowd stampede out of a place in such a disorderly manner since... The horn blows at midnight. <laughs> Only at the preview. <laughs> Phil, look, Phil, I don't like to keep bringing this up all the time. But look, 
For 11 years now, you've had that same bunch of, you should excuse the expression, musicians. <laughs> now, isn't, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And in all that time, they have never started together, played on key, or ended together. Now, <laughs> now look, Phil, why, Phil, why don't you fire them? I can't do that, Jackson. I gotta keep them working. Why? I promised their parole board. <laughs> oh, well, I don't care what you promise. I, I don't want those guys around me. They make me nervous. My boys? Certainly. Oh, don't worry about them, Jackson. They wouldn't hurt a flea. I know. That's why they have so many of them. <laughs> anyway, Phil, I don't mind. Look, I don't mind if they stay on the program, but at least make them look presentable. You know, when they're out on the stage. Socks? Shirts, too. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I ask. Well, I agree with you, Jackson, but it takes time. Look how long it took me to get them to wear neckties. Well, Frankie still doesn't wear one. Well, that ain't my fault. I tried everything. I even gave him a spinal. <laughs> a spinal? To put a tie on him? What's Frankie got against neckties? He don't want nothing around his neck since he had that unfortunate experience under a sturdy oak. <laughs> What? I told him a million times, when you change the brand on cattle, cover up the old one. <laughs> but Phil, if they hanged him, how did he get away? Sharp Adam's apple. <laughs> Phil, please, look, at, I'm serious about your band. Now, look, oh, say, Jack, I have a suggestion that might fit in about... Oh, hello, Don. What are we going to say? Well, I was just going to suggest that if you don't want the studio audience to see how bad Phil's orchestra really looks, I'll be very happy to sit in front of him. Well, thank you, thank you. No, thanks. No, you, you've got a good head on your stomach. I, I, uh... Oh, really, I appreciate it. But, oh, Jack, in, in one way, I think you're very lucky. Lucky? What do you mean, Don? Well, since you're stuck with Phil's band, you can take consolation in the fact that you do have a great quartet. Yes, Don, at least they... What? You mean the sportsmen? Yeah! And Jack, since next Friday is Halloween, I thought it would be appropriate if the boys did something in the Halloween spirit and you can join in. Me? Yeah, sure. Oh, that'll be a lot of fun. What's the name of the number, Don? Well, it's called the Ghost Dance. The Ghost Dance? Say, that is good for Halloween. Come on, let's run through it. Okay, take it, boys. Goblins who know where the warm breezes blow when tobacco leaves grow. LSMFT, that's the smoke for me. So take a tip from a ghost. Use tobacco they toast. It's the one you like most. Oh, oh. Your show. Come on, kids, let us go right out on the street to play trick or treat. Now, if you'll hand us our broom, we'll be leaving here soon and go haunting for F. E. Boom.
next time, I must give the boys credit. They really prepared something great. Really, it was very good. It scared me silly. Huh? <laughs> oh, oh, hello, Dennis. What made you late? Oh, I happened to be standing in the doorway when Phil dismissed his boys. Oh. The next thing I knew, I was in the bar across the street. <laughs> Phil's boys are a little rough. Yeah, they tied me up, threw me on the ground, and stuck a hot iron on me. <laughs> Dennis, stop being silly. If they tied you up, how'd you get away? Sharp shoulder blades. <laughs> Dennis, what's the matter with you? Coming in here with jokes like that, you sound like Jerry Colonna. How can you do things like that? I don't ask questions, I just have fun. Now cut that off! Jerry Colonna. Say, Jack, that reminds me. Did you read about Bob Hope going to England to do a command performance? Yes, yes. You know, that ought to be exciting, being in England at this time. Oh, by the way, Jack, did you get a reply to the letter you wrote King George regarding the royal wedding? Yes, yes, but he said they wanted a whole orchestra, not just a violin. <laughs> <laughs> can't understand I was willing to go just for expenses. <laughs> you know, Mary, I was thinking, it must take a lot of planning to get married in England with shortages and everything. I mean, even for a princess. Why didn't she get married on the bride and groom program and get a mix master? <laughs> Dennis. Dennis, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Princess Elizabeth is of royal blood. Her father is the king of England. Her grandfather was the king of England. Her great-grandfather was the king of England. A mixmaster is a mixmaster. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. Jack, put down that branding iron. Well, he drives me nuts. <laughs> now, let's sit down and get this rehearsal started. Jack, you're acting awfully irritable lately. Oh, he's been like that ever since last Sunday when he lost that golf ball. <laughs> well, Mary, that was a new golf ball. I only hit it once. Go on, you lost it on the seventh hole. I still only hit it once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call up the country club right now and see if Rochester found it. Hand me that phone, Mary. Here you are. Thanks. Oh, Maple, what is it, Gertrude? <laughs> Mr. Benny's line is flourishing. Yeah, I wonder what Temptation wants now. <laughs> I'll plug in and see. Hello? Yes, Mr. Benny, I'll do it. He wants me to get the Hillcrest Country Club. You know, he lost a golf ball there last Sunday. And what a thing he made over it. I know, he came in today wearing a black band on his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of golf, you should have seen what happened to me when I used to go out with Mr. Benny. I'm listening. <laughs> One night he took me and my mother out to a driving range. I didn't know he was such a rotten golfer, so I let him drive a ball off my nose. You did? Yeah, and was I sorry. Oh, my goodness, did he hit your nose? No, but he broke my mother's leg. <laughs> I wondered why I missed her at the Palladium. Hello? I'm trying to get them, Mr. Benny. Well, you don't have to get so excited. What? That's no way to talk to a lady. What'd he say? What'd he say? What'd he say? Quiet. He's still insulting me. 
you through, Mr. Benny? Are you through? Are you through? Gee, Mabel, he must have one of his riders with him. Operator, Gertrude, Snooksy. Hmm. Oh, well, if Rochester found the ball, I guess he would have called me. Gee, maybe I was too harsh on Gertrude. After all, she and Mabel just sit there in that little room by themselves all day long. I wonder what they talk about. Well, I guess it's none of my business. Come on, kids, let's get on with the rehearsal. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. L-S-M-F-T. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco is what counts in a cigarette. Remember what happens at the tobacco auctions? At auction after auction, year after year, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows. Mr. Fred Leonard Evans, independent tobacco buyer of Danville, Virginia, who has attended more than 3,000 auctions. A recognized authority on tobacco, Mr. Evans said, At every auction I've attended, year after year, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine quality leaf. That fine, ripe, mellow tobacco you can't beat for top smoking quality. I've smoked Luckers myself for 19 years. So for your own real deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember, L-S-M-F-T, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. First, last, always. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Be with this us next Sunday. Good night, folks. The National Broadcasting Company. W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Titley, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Fay and Phil Harris. Forty-two prizes this week for you. Just tell why you like Fitch Shampoo. There's only one more Big Fitch contest. To introduce Fitch's new cream shampoo, and for those who use dandruff remover shampoo, we are sponsoring the last of four contests. Prizes include... One new Fraser Manhattan sedan, one new Kaiser sedan, five Universal Electric ranges, three Amana home freezers, two Voss Electric washing machines, 30 Universal Electric blankets. Easy to enter, easy to win. 
Get paper and pencil ready. We'll give contest rules and address now and repeat again later in the program. Here's all you do. In 25 additional words or less, complete one of these statements. I like Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo because... Or, I like Fitch's cream shampoo because... That's all. To each entry, attach the round paper disc from top of Fitch's cream shampoo jar or carton top from Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo or facsimile. Mail with your name and address to Fitch Shampoo, Box 1723, Chicago, Illinois. There's plenty to write about. Fitch's cream shampoo leaves hair far softer, shinier. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil to bring out sparkling highlights. 42 prizes this week for you. Just tell why you like Fitch Shampoo. In the current November issue of True Story magazine, you can read the true story of the home life of Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This article is proving of particular interest to Phil's sponsor, the Fitch Company. As we look in, we find Mr. F.W. Fitch about to address a few members of his staff. Gentlemen, two weeks ago, we voted Phil Harris one share of stock in our company. Right, J.R.? Right, F.W. At the time, we thought it advisable... At the time, we thought it advisable to hold it in trust. Right, Mr. Beam? That's right, Mr. Fitch. We held it in trust because we felt that Harris is irresponsible and might misuse the stock. Well, according to this, uh, according to this true story article, we've misjudged Mr. Harris. The article says Phil Harris is a fine, upstanding citizen who never stays out late, gambles, or drinks. Uh, which Phil Harris are they talking about? <laughs> Quiet, 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 J.R. It also says that he's very devoted to his lovely wife, Alice Faye. Ah, <sighs> Alice Faye. Alice Faye. <sighs> <clears throat> well, gentlemen, let's get back to work. <laughs> the article goes on to say that Mr. Harris is a homebody and a gentleman with fine, cultured friends. Uh, but, F.W., how do we know Harris is everything this article says he is? That's why I'm sending you to Hollywood, Beam. I want you to spend a day with the Harrises and check on it. Uh, very well, sir. If I leave today, I can arrive there on Sunday. Good. And if you find Mr. Harris a trustworthy individual, we'll forward him his stock. Good luck, Beam. When you arrive in Hollywood, give Mr. Harris my regards. And, uh, oh, yes, uh, one other thing. Yes, sir? When you uh, get there, uh, slip... Faze a little kiss for me, will you? <laughs> and now we take you to the Harris home. It's Sunday morning, and Alice is reading the new True Story magazine article to Phil. Gee, that's a swell article about us, honey. Hey, what else does it say about me? Well... It says, Phil is a very charming, soft-spoken man. His only weakness is his passion for loud clothes. He is not a conservative dresser. Now, how do you like that? A guy has one lousy red suede suit and he ain't conservative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Phil, you must admit you are a flashy dresser. Look at what you're wearing now. Well, what's wrong with what I'm wearing? It's a very simple sports outfit. Green and orange plaid jacket, purple polka dot shirt, baby blue slacks, and yellow shoes. <laughs> That ain't so loud. In fact, I feel there's something missing. 
What do you think it needs to set it off? Leave it alone, it'll explode by itself <laughs> Oh, here's the part of the article I like, Phil They point out what a wonderful family we are And how happily married we've been Well, gee, honey It's easy to be happy when a guy's married to a sweet little girl like you You gorgeous little blonde you Ah, uh, uh, get along with your blondie, Harris Or you'll be after spoiling the likes of me Thank you, Barry Fitzgerald <laughs> But seriously, you want to know something, honey? May I, I come in? Oh, it's my brother. Come on in, William. Hello, Alice. Good morning, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, I thought I'd never get here. The traffic was simply awful. Th things like that just upset me terribly. Thank you, Billy Burke. <laughs> William? William, did you see that wonderful article about us in the True Story magazine? Mm, yes, I read it, and I liked the way they handled it. They mentioned all your good qualities, Alice, and they skipped over all of Philip's bad ones. <laughs> what do you mean? What bad qualities have I got? Well, for one thing, you're the most irresponsible man I've ever met. You don't take anything seriously. Well, that's only because I'm young and carefree. <laughs> After all, I'm only 22, and I don't know my own mind. You don't know your own age, either. <laughs> Philip, you're so irresponsible. I don't know why Alice ever married you. Now, just a minute, William. Phil may have a few faults, but I think he's a wonderful guy. I like what the article said about him. Oh, Alice, the only thing I found true about Philip in the whole story was the fact that he's very unhandy around the house. He's incapable of fixing the slightest little thing. Who's not handy? I'm always fixing things like lamps, leaky faucets, and tell him what I did last week out... No, maybe you better not tell him that. <laughs> what did he do last week, Alice? Well, he installed an electric eye in the driveway that was supposed to close the garage door. Well, does it work? Well, not exactly. He got the wires crossed, and instead of closing the garage door, it keeps opening the bathroom window. <laughs> All right, so I made one little mistake on that, but I can fix anything else around the house. Well, I wish that were true so you could fix that closet door in the entrance hall. The children are always getting stuck in there. They can't open it from the inside. Okay, I'll show you I can fix it, and I'll do it right now. All I need is a screwdriver, a pair of pliers, a hammer... And a carpenter. And a car... <laughs> Look, roll top, will you get out of here, please? <laughs> now beat it, will you get lost? All right, all right. Go I'm figure going. up I'm... something, will you? I'm going. I'm going. See you later, Alice. Goodbye, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Philip. One of these days, I'm going to fricassee that little bandy rooster. <laughs> Look, I'm going to get the tools out and fix that closet door. Oh, please don't, Phil. You know you won't be able to do it. I'll show you I can do it. Gee whiz, Alice just don't appreciate me. Nobody does. Now, let me see. If I hammer this lock a little, that ought to loosen it up. I'll show them I can fix this. Then maybe they'll stop picking on me. Why is everybody always finding fault with me? Why do people have to pick on other people? What is this curse that makes the universe so all bewildering? What is the hoax that just provokes the folks they call God's children? What is the jinx that gives a body and his brother and everyone around the runaround? Everyone to run around. Everyone to run around. Necessity. 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 Necessity That most unnecessary
everything necessity. How unnecessary. What throws a monkey wrench in? A fella's good intention. That nasty old invention. Necessity. Brother, you so right. My feet wanna dance in the sun. My head wants a rest in the shed. The Lord says go out and have fun, but the landlord says, Man, you rent ain't paid. Necessity. Necessity. It's plain to see. It's plain to see. What a lovely old world this silly old world could be. Well, could be. But man, it's all in a mass account of necessity. Old life knocks your dreams for a loop. And love knocks you flat on your pan. And sin lands you right in the soup. Yes, but nothing. Knocks you harder than necessity. You mean he's a That's right, brother. Necessity. There's nothing lower than less. Unless it's necessity. Necessity. How low can you get? Now, there, that ought to do it. Phil, I wish you'd forget that door. You'll only make it worse. Oh, yeah? Well, if you want to know something, it's all fixed. Oh, now, who's that at the front door? Yeah? What do you want? Uh, uh, my name is Albert Beam. I represent the Fitzgerald. Oh, one of them door-to-door salesmen, huh? We don't want none, Bob. Get out. You don't seem to understand. I was sent here by Mr. F.W. Fitz, your sponsor. I don't care. My sponsor? Oh, Oh, well, that's different. I didn't realize. Come in, Mr. Bean. Come in. Please come in. Uh, put me down, Harris. <laughs> I'm capable of walking in by myself. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bean, but I'm so flustered. You know, I didn't expect you. You took me by surprise. And, well, you know, I... Oh, look, uh, I want you to meet my wife, Alice. Well, how do you do, Mr. Bean? Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Harris? Uh, I hope I'm not intruding on your Sunday at home, but I was sent by the Fitch Company. Yes, sir. F-I-T-C-H. Oh, what a beautiful word, Mr. Beam. What a wonderful product. Yes, we're proud of all our products. Well, you should be. It's great for the hair. Yes, it really gives it a nice, lustrous sheen. Oh, it's positively sensational. Well, let's not just stand here. Let's all go upstairs and shampoo each other's hair. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I didn't come here to discuss the product, really. I'm here about the article in the True Story magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a nice article, wasn't it? Of course, I thought the picture they ran with the article wasn't very flattering of me. You see, I forgot to put my rag curlers in on the night before, and my hair was just a mess. <laughs> I understand. My wife has the same trouble. Uh, well, uh, as I started to say, uh, Mr. Fitch sent me to verify that article And uh, if you're all that it says you are, I'm to recommend that you receive your Fitch Company stock immediately Hey, did you hear that, Alice? They're going to give me my stock Oh, look, I assure you, Mr. Beam, that you'll find everything in that article is true Except, uh, well, one thing They said I wasn't handy around the house, but that's not so Because I just fixed the lock on the closet door here just now Really? Well, how'd you do it? I have a lock at home that needs fixing. Oh, it was simple. I just fixed the spring on the inside by uh, 
By, I'll tell you, get in the closet and I'll show you what I mean. I'll take your word. No, go on, get in the closet. It'll only take a minute. I want to show you how it works. All right, all right, stop pushing. <laughs> I'll get in. All right, now good. Now, now look, you, now I'll just shut the door. Now, now you see, Mr. Bean, before I fixed it, you couldn't open it from the inside. But now all you have to do is just turn the knob. Go ahead, turn it. Harris, I hate to tell you this, but it still doesn't open from the inside. <laughs> open it from your side. Oh, oh all right. <laughs> Mr. Beam. What? I hate to tell you this, but now I can't open it from the outside. Either. <laughs> Let me out of here. Let me out of here. Oh, Harris does it again. Phil, for goodness sakes, do something. Get him out of that closet. Get me out of okay, here. Okay, okay, Mr. Beam. Take it easy. I'm trying to get it open. Now, don't get angry. I'm doing everything I can. Oh, Harris, you clumsy oak. Oh, the lock must be sprung, Phil. You'll never get him out. I'll go and call the locksmith. Well, all right. Tell him to hurry over. Hey, you have nothing to worry about, Mr. Beam. We're getting the locksmith. Well, hurry up. I'm getting asphyxiated in here. You are? Gee, he doesn't look like the kind of a guy who'd ever touch this stuff. <laughs> Hey, Mr. Bean, don't worry. We'll have you out of there in no time. Uh-oh. Excuse me. It's the doorbell. Never mind the door. Get me out of here. Well, in a minute. First, I got to see who's at the door. Hiya, Curly. Oh, hello, Frankie. Look, I'd ask you in, Frank, but I can't right now. Why not? I got a sponsor in my closet. <laughs> you got a sponsor? Oh, brother, this guy's been riding with the top down again. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You sound like you got bats in your belfry. And they're noisy little rascals, ain't they? <laughs> Please, look, Frankie. I'm serious. I'm on the level about the sponsor. Yeah, yeah. I wish your sponsor was in that closet. I'd tell him off. Those guys have been promising you stock for a long time, but they never sent it. I don't think they're going to. I think they're nothing but a bunch of chiselers. Chiselers! Let's get out of the hall, Curly. There's an echo in the joint. <laughs> Quiet, will you, Frankie? I quiet. won't keep quiet. I got an idea. Look, why don't you sue that cheap Fitch company for a million bucks? They're not a cheap company. They're wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Frankie, will you listen? My sponsor, Mr. Beam of the Fitch Company, is locked in that closet. So what? I can't think of a better place for a sponsor. Listen, will you stop the clown and he's in that little small closet with no air and I don't even hear him anymore. Frankie, do you think he's unconscious? I don't know what a sponsor. It's hard to tell. <laughs> nice, upright, honest, cultured friends you have, Mr. Harris. Hey, Curly, there's somebody in that closet. Hey, oh, Phil. I can't get a locksmith anyplace. Oh, hello, Frankie. Yeah. It's Sunday and all the locksmiths are closed. Oh, closed. Now, how are we going to get this lock open? Oh, I can get you somebody to open that lock. I'll go get Pete Nolan. Be right back. Is he a locksmith? The best in the business. So long, Curly. I'll be right back. Hey, Beam. Yes? Don't go away. <laughs> oh, Phil, you get yourself in the darndest mess. I know I do, honey. I guess I'm just a jerk. Your brother was right. I don't know why you ever married me. I'm always doing something stupid, and people are always laughing at me. Now, wait a minute. Don't take it so much to heart. People are always ready to laugh at somebody else. Just remember. They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the world was wrong. They all laughed when Edison recorded songs. They 
They all laughed at Wilbur and his brother when they said that man could fly. They told Marconi, wireless was a phony, it's the same old cry. They laughed at me, wanting you, me wanting you. said I was reaching for the moon. Reach for that moon. But ooh, you came through. Yes, you came through. Now they'll have to change their tune. They'll change their tune. They all said we never could be happy. They laughed at us and how. And how about ho, 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 who's got the last laugh now? They all laughed at Rockefeller Santa, now they're fighting to get in. They all laughed at Whitney and his cotton gin. They all laughed at Fulton and his steamboat, Hershey and his chocolate bar. Ford and his Lizzie kept the laughers busy, that's how people are. They laughed at me, wanting you, said it would be hello, goodbye. Goodbye! Came through. came through. Now they're eating humble pie. They're eating humble pie now. They all said we'd never get together. Darling, let's take a bow. Take a bow. Oh, 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 oh. Who's got the last laugh? He, he, he. I've got the last laugh. Ha, ha, ha. We've got the last laugh now. Fine thing! I'm dying in here and you're out there singing. <laughs> oh, Bill, Mr. Beam is awfully mad. You'd better try to pacify him until Frankie gets back with the locksmith. Okay, I'll try to calm him down by being nice to him. Mr. Beam! What do you want, you pleathery idiot? <laughs> he ain't cooperating. <laughs> Look, Beamsy, is there anything I can get you? Uh... Would you, uh, like some lunch? How can you get nuts to me when I'm locked in this closet? Oh, it's easy. Alice will make some soup and I'll pour it under the door. <laughs> well, keep quiet. Your suggestions will only make things worse. Harris, wait till I tell F.W. what kind of people you are. Oh, but Mr. Beam, we're really nice people. We have a wonderful home life and we're very happily married and... Oh, excuse me while I answer the door. Oh, it's you, Julius. Yes, it is I, fair one. I have come to worship at the shrine of my loved one. Oh, Julius, please go away. We're in enough trouble now. Trouble? What kind of trouble, fair one? Well, if you must know, I have a man locked up in my closet. Miss Faye! <laughs> it's not what you think, Julius. It's my sponsor, and I locked him in the closet. I don't blame you. I've heard you on the air, and that's a smart move. <laughs> you wouldn't talk to Mr. Harris that way. I don't wish to talk to Mr. Harris at all. I have come just to be near you, Miss Faye. Julius, beat it! Now get out of here. Now why don't you get out of here? Why don't you get out of here? I wish I could get out of here. <laughs> Who was that? I'm Mr. Beam. Who are you? I'm Julius Abruzio, the light of Miss Faye's life. We are enamored of each other. Someday I hope to take Miss Fay away from all this. Well, when you get around to it, take me with you, will you? <laughs> well, well, I gotta go now, Miss Fay. Farewell, soulmate. Well. That was interesting. 
You two are happily married, yet another man comes around and makes love to Mrs. Harris. Oh, but Julius isn't a man. He's just a little boy who has a crush on me. A likely story. I'm surprised at you, Mrs. Harris. But, Mr. Beam... To think you'd let another man come into your life. And you, the mother of two lovely children. It's positively disgraceful, and I... Ah, go soak your head. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, that's no way to talk to the sponsor. We gotta... Oh, I hope that's Frankie with a locksmith. Hiya, Curly. Your worries are over. I got him. Oh, thank goodness. Bring him in. Come on in, Pete. Alice, Phil, I want you to meet the greatest little lock opener in the country. Light Fingers Nolan. (laughs) Hiya, folks. Let's get started before the cuppers get here. Frankie, where's that lock they want picked? It's right there on that door, Light Fingers. Okay. Tell you what. Frankie, you pull the shades down, Curly, you cut the telephone wires, and Blondie, you wait outside as a lookout. You got it? (laughs) Got it. You want I should keep the motor running? Alice. (laughs) Quiet, Curly, we got a job to do here. Now cut it out, Alice. (laughs) Frankie, wait a minute. What's the idea of bringing a guy like this around? Get deaf while I get to work. First I pour a little soup on the lock like this, then I pour a little more. And then I put on a short fuse. Hey, Curly, you got a match? What's going on out there? <laughs> hey, somebody's in there already. Some monk beat us at his job. Hey, you in there. Who sent you on this job? The Fitch Company. Never heard of him. Must be a Chicago mob. <laughs> Is this another of your charming friends, Mr. Harris? No, he isn't. Frankie, get this guy out of here. You're going to ruin everything. Get him All out. right, all right. Come on, light fingers, dear. <laughs> Curly is an ungrateful wretch And to think I had you break a date With your parole officer to come here Oh, good God Where does Frankie find fellas like that? I don't know, I don't care about it How are we going to get Beam out of there? I'd break the door down, but it's too thick for that There must be some way What's going on, Mommy? We were trying to take our nap But somebody keeps banging on the wall down here Oh, your daddy locked somebody in the closet And he can't get the door open Maybe I can do it for you, Daddy Don't be silly, Phyllis You're only a child Now, let me see now What can I do? You can take the hinges off Don't be ridiculous I'm trying to open the door from the left side Where the lock is If I take the hinges off It'll only open it from the right side Hey Yeah, that'll do it. Give me that hammer, quick. Hey, hey, it's working, Alice. I'm getting it open. Oh, good. Be patient, Mr. Beam. We'll have you out in a second. Yes, sir. Now, there. Now you put your shoulder to it and give it a push, Mr. Beam. There you are. You're out. And so are you, Harris. Not only will I recommend that you don't get that stock, but I'll see to it that you're fired from our program. Fired? Oh, but, Mr. Beam, it was all an accident. Oh, you have a right to be mad. Well... But surely an intelligent, handsome man like yourself well, must have a forgiving nature. Huh? You won't fire, Phil. Well, well, Will you? Hmm? <laughs> Please? I, I, uh... Oh, all right. I won't fire him. I always was a sucker for a good-looking blonde. Thank you, Tommy Manville. <laughs> And surely, Beamsy, a handsome, intelligent man like yourself will recommend that I get my stock, won't you? Hmm. <laughs> Please? No, I won't. Hmm, I guess he's not a sucker for a good-looking brunette, huh? <laughs> 
Oh, Mr. Beam, I know after what's happened, Phil doesn't deserve the stock, but for my sake, won't you reconsider? Well, <coughs> all right, all right, I'll reconsider. Well, gee, that's wonderful of you, Mr. Beam. I certainly appreciate it. Won't you stay for dinner? No, thanks. I'm getting out of here before something else happens to make me change my mind. Goodbye. Goodbye, and ah, uh, uh, not that door. No, that's the closet. Let's not go through that again. Hey, here's the door. I'll open it for you. Goodbye, Mr. Beam. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, no, I opened the wrong door and he fell down the cellar stairs. <laughs> Folks, this is Phil Harris. Now, here are the car winners in our second big weekly contest. Yes, sir, and the lucky lady is from Long Beach, California. In fact, uh, she wins the Frasier Manhattan Sedan, and her name is Mrs. F.E. Hullen of Long Beach, California. The Kaiser Sedan was won by Mrs. Renee L. Forne of Milltown, New Jersey. Mrs. Renee L. Forte, it is, of Milltown, New Jersey. Winners of other prizes being notified by mail. Now, look. This week's contest is our last, so hurry, everyone, and in 25 additional words or less, complete one of these statements. I like Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo because, or I like Fitch's cream shampoo because. Send any number of entries, each on a plain sheet of paper. To each, attach the round paper disc from top of Fitch's cream shampoo jar, or carton top from Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo, or facsimile. Mail entry with your name and address to Fit Shampoo, Box 1723, Chicago. That's Fit Shampoo, Box 1723, Chicago, Illinois. The winners get one Fraser Manhattan sedan, one Kaiser sedan, five Universal Electric Ranges, three Amana home freezers, two Voss Electric washing machines, 30 Universal Electric blankets. Entries judged on originality, sincerity, and aptness of thought. Duplicate prizes for ties. Judge's decision's final. Any person in United States or Canada may enter, except employees of Fitch, their advertising agency, and their families. Entries must be postmarked by midnight, Saturday, November 1st, and received by November 8th. Third week's car winners announced on the bandwagon next Sunday. <laughs> Tune in next week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This program was directed by Paul Phillips. Featured in today's cast were Porter Hall as Beam, Francis X. Bushman, Bob Jellison, and Joe McTurk. The part of Frankie was played by Elliot Lewis. Alice Fay appears with the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. Good night, everybody. Hey, this is Phil again. And Alice and I want to thank the True Story magazine for that swell article they gave us in the current November issue. Really, fellas, it was swell, and we sincerely appreciate it. And remember, this coming week is your last chance for one of those new cars and other big prizes. So please send your entries before Saturday midnight. Happy
head to save your hair, use Pitch Shampoo. Try Fitch's Cream Shampoo. Enter Fitch's final contest before Saturday midnight. Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Just a warning, you're about to hear me twice. Uh, we are. We've reached a point in our Jack Benny shows where, uh, and I've done enough podcasts now, that we're going to start looping around to where uh, I, I'll have existing podcasts that I've done for the show previously. Um, sometimes I will replace that podcast if I think I could do a better job, or I left something out, or there's new information. Other times I will... Um, just play you the original podcast I think it covered the ground pretty well so it'll sound a little out of place or recorded a little uh, differently um, than my current podcasts are or the format might be a little different than we're used to but if I think it gets the information across just fine then I'll present that or as is the case tonight I may like the original podcast but we want to add something to it and so then I'll you'll have two podcasts so Anyway, for tonight's, um, when I originally recorded this podcast, the thing I didn't know, because I, I wasn't at the time playing the podcast exactly five years apart like I am right now, but what became obvious this week to me, which is pretty cool, I always like it when I find some new pattern, with the way I do the podcast every five years, presenting uh, each week I present a show from... 60 years ago, 65 years ago, 70 years ago, and 75 years ago, what we end up, and sometimes 80 years ago, what we end up with is seeing patterns and uh, that, that are reoccurring at that time of year. Uh, and so sometimes I'll bring that out. In this case, there was a pattern, or a bookend, or I guess you would say, that happened within uh, this week that's, that's interesting, and I think I'll point it out to you, um, that I don't think any, I've never seen anyone else pointed out, and, and I don't think you would realize this strange bookend without um, arranging the podcast like I do. So on uh, Thursday night, we had the episode where the Maxwell, uh, they retire the Maxwell, essentially. The Maxwell gets uh, uh, donated to the scrapped metal drive, and... Uh, so that episode happened, um, what is that, uh, 70 years ago. But 75 years ago, the same week, um, from the 1937-1938 season, we have Jack introducing the Maxwell for the first time. So this week you got to say goodbye to the Maxwell, and you also get to say hello to the Maxwell. Kind of, kind of interesting, I suppose. I should have run them in reverse, but who knew? Uh, so anyway, so I hope you enjoyed this episode with the very first appearance of the Maxwell, and I hope you enjoyed uh, Thursday's last appearance of the Maxwell, at least for a while. They eventually bring it back, and I go into that in the podcast uh, for Thursday night's show. Um, 
So anyway, without further ado, enjoy this podcast and enjoy this wonderful episode of the Jack Benny Show, where we get introduced for the first time to Jack's wonderful car, the Maxwell. Hello again. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Jack Benny Show podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Pepper. Today's uh, episode is a fun one. It's the first time that the Maxwell is referred to, and it becomes an integral part of the show later on. Uh, after a while, he gives it away, and then he ends up getting it back back in the in the late 40s, early 50s, because it was such a good gimmick, and they just had to keep it going. So, um, anyway, enjoy the first episode with the Maxwell, and I'll be back again with you folks next week. Oh, you have a great week. The Jello program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens a program with the title tune from the picture Something to Sing About. Back in the year 1904, Mr. H.W. Kircher of Kankakee, Illinois, happened to be visiting in Buffalo. He attended a pure food show and discovered a new product he had never heard of before. It was called Jell-O. He took a package home and gave it to his best girl, who made a dessert out of it. That was 33 years ago. And listen to what Mr. Kircher says today. Later, after we were married, we always served Jell-O, and we're still serving it. I just want you to know about one of your customers. I don't know how many packages I've purchased, but there have been thousands in my home anyway. Well, we call that real loyalty, and Jell-O must be good to hold its friends for over 30 years. Jell-O was a great treat 30 years ago, but it's an even greater treat now, for the only changes that have been made in Jell-O are those that have made it even better. Today, Jell-O brings you a new delicious extra-rich fruit flavor, a full-bodied real fruit goodness that's supremely satisfying. Order Jell-O from your grocer tomorrow. Look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. That was something to sing about, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that favorite of men, women, and children, especially men and children, Jack Benny. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Hello again. This is Jack Benny talking. And, Don, that was an awfully nice introduction, up to the word especially. (laughs) You know, I don't do so bad with the ladies, either. Oh, I didn't mean that, Jack. I just feel that you're not as romantic as some of the other male stars in Hollywood, and I thought I'd point it out. Well, it's not nice to point. (laughs) But let's forget that, Don. I've got something to tell you that's much more important, a real surprise. Oh, yes? What is it? Well, for a long time, I've been intending to make a certain move. Been uh, on my mind for weeks, and yesterday I did it. I'm like a kid with a new toy. Why? What did you do? Well, I finally traded in my car. You know, my car. You know, the one I've been driving around all the time. The Stanley Steamer? (laughs) Yep, yep, the old Stanley. (laughs) Well, it's about time you got rid of it. Now, wait a minute, Don. I know I've had it for a long while, but that car was in very good condition. I've never had one bit of trouble with it. Well, then why did you trade it in? Well, I'll tell you, Don. I thought it was a little bit too old-fashioned for a young fella like me. (laughs) You know how it is, why the girls won't even look at you nowadays unless you put on a flash. 
So I traded it in. Well, that's fine, Jack. What did you get? A Maxwell. <laughs> oh, it's a honey. A Maxwell? Why, they haven't made those in ten years. Oh, it isn't new, Don. It's been used, but it's in... Really, it's... It's in swell shape. Wait till you see it. Oh, I'd like to. What color is it? Well, it's a sort of a plaid. It's, uh... It's been painted several times, you know. It's a coupe, you know. Oh, a coupe. Is it convertible? What's that, Don? Is it convertible? Oh, sure. I can get my money back on it anytime. <laughs> oh, yes. No, no, Jack. Is it convertible? Does the top go up and down? Oh, all the time, Don. All the time. <laughs> but it's got a lot of pep, believe me. Hey, Jack, what's this I hear about your new car? Oh, yes, Phil, I got it right downstairs. You ought to see it. Huh? So you finally got rid of that old tub, huh? Yeah. What did you get? A Maxwell. A Maxwell? What is it, a foreign car? <laughs> no, Phil, it's a Maxwell. It was made right here in this country. Well, gee, they ought to advertise. <laughs> Well, to tell you the truth, Phil, they haven't made them for quite a while, but the one I've got is pretty modern. It's right up there with the best of them, you know. Have you got a radio in it? No, but there's a Victrola on the steering wheel. <laughs> of course, it only plays when I'm turning corners. Oh. <laughs> Jack, I can't understand a guy like you buying a secondhand car. Why didn't you get one of the new ones, a 1938 model? Oh, before you get delivery on them, you get tired waiting, you know. But with a second-hand car, it's different. There's no delay. You walk on the lot, pick the one you want, they tow it out, and there you are. <laughs> well, all I can say is a car as old as that can't be very easy riding. Oh, no? Well, ask Mary. She was out in it. Hey, Mary! Yeah? Come here a minute. You were out in my car, weren't you? Uh-huh. Oh, you ought to see it, fellas. Jack and I drove all the way to Santa Barbara and back. Yes, sir. Boy, am I stiff. <laughs> yeah, stiff. That car runs plenty smooth, and you know it. Then why did you strap me in the seat? <laughs> because I never knew what minute we were going to take off. <laughs> anyway, when a fella asks you for a ride, you don't have to be so critical. Not critical, but gee, after a ride like that. Yeah. Were you badly shaken up, Mary? I'll say. Now I know what a malted milk goes through. <laughs> oh, it wasn't as bad as that, Mary. You know, we went clear to Santa Barbara and back without a bit of trouble. Oh, yeah? What about that door that fell off? Well, that was your fault. You leaned on it. <laughs> and anyway, any car that can make a 90-mile trip without stopping for gas or oil must be okay. How long did it take you, Jack? Well... We uh... started Tuesday. Quiet. <laughs> Took us about five hours, Don, but we were bucking the wind. <laughs> anyway, it was a very pleasant drive, whether Mary liked it or not. I did like it, oh. and I've got black and blue marks to prove it. <laughs> well, you guys can laugh, but I'm satisfied with my little Maxie. <laughs> Hiya, fellows. Hello. Hello, Hello Kenny. Hello. <laughs> oh, boy. You want to see what I saw downstairs? <laughs> What? Huh? A car. Gee, you ought to see the crowd standing around it. The crowd? Are they admiring the car, Kenny? No, they're waiting to see the guy that would ride in it. Oh, they are. Well, Kenny, for your information, that car belongs to me. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it does. If you don't happen to like it, you don't have to make any smart crap. Oh, excuse me, Jack. I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I think your car is swell. Well. <laughs> now, look here, Kenny. Control yourself. You're here to sing and nothing else, so go ahead and do it. 
Okay. Wait a minute. See who that is, Mary. Telegram for Jack Penny. Take it, Mary. Uh, what are you going to sing tonight, Kenny? I'm going to sing that old feeling. Oh, look, Jack. This wire's from a vaudeville agent in New York. Well, what does it say? Uh, Jack Benny Hollywood. Can offer your car three weeks at Paramount Theater. <laughs> ah, you see? I knew that was a good investment. I know what I'm doing. Think, Kenny. Mary, wire him that I go with the car, will you? <laughs> Got that old feeling When you came inside I got that old feeling The moment that you danced by I felt a thrill And when you caught my eye My heart stood still once again, I seem to feel that old yearning, and I knew the spark of love was still burning. There'll be no new romance for me. It's Suddenly something had happened to me And I found my heart beating all so fast I saw you there and got that old feeling When you came in I got that old feeling the moment that you danced by, I felt a thrill, and when you caught my eye, my heart stood still, again I seem to feel that Of love was still burning. There'll be no new romance for me. It's foolish to start for that old feeling. That old. 
was that old feeling from Vogue's of 1938 sung by Kenny Baker in his usual fine style. Kenny, your stock just went up three points. Thanks, Jack. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, we are going to present something of a more legitimate nature. <laughs> something... <laughs> Kenny, I warned you. Oh, boy, what a car. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Kenny. I've stood for just about enough. And that goes for everybody in this company. I don't want to hear another word about my car, and that's final. Now, let's change the subject. Ladies and gentlemen, Jell-O is not only inexpensive and easy to make, but it tastes twice as good as ever before. It comes in six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Thank you, Don. Oh, that's all right, Jack. Yes. Hmm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I said before, tonight... We are going to present something of a more legitimate nature, something very unhokey. We are offering... We are offering our version of 20th Century's Fox's recent film success, Wife, Doctor, and Nurse. Please, Mr. Zanuck. <laughs> now, as you may remember, this picture... This picture starred Loretta Young, Warner Baxter, and Virginia Bruce. I will play Warner Baxter's part, the doctor. And I'll be the nurse. That's right, Mary. And I invited Loretta Young to play the part of my wife. What did she say, Jack? Oh, who needs her? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know, Jack. You'd like to have Loretta Young play that part. Now, wait a minute, Phil. Don't be too sure. There are a lot of girls who are much more beautiful than Loretta Young. Aw, Jack. I don't mean you. Well, name one. Go ahead. Name one. Well, the scene of our little play <laughs> is the office and clinic of Dr. Benny, the famous physician and surgeon. You know, folks, I can hardly wait till I play this part. It's right up my alley. Oh, Kenny. Yes, Jack? Uh, run out and get me a mustache. I want to look like Warner Baxter. Okay. Get him a face, too. <laughs> no worry. I'll look all right. Hurry with that mustache, Kenny. I can't do a thing without it. Huh? Well, Jack, if the part in our play tonight is so important, why didn't you grow a real one? I did, Don. I did grow a mustache, but it looked like an eyebrow, and I kept winking my mouth. (laughs) Oh, it was awful, huh? Well, that must have been annoying. Well, I didn't mind that, but when the doctor told me my teeth needed glasses, I thought that was too much. (laughs) Anyway, this play will go on immediately after the next number. Oh, Phil, uh, uh, play something apropos, will you? You know, something that will put us in a medical mood. Oh, we'll jangle your nerves, all right. Well, you probably will, yeah. <laughs> Gee, Phil, the way you run down your orchestra, goodness, isn't there, isn't there one good man in your band? Yes, the guitar player is swell. <laughs> the guitar player? Well, gee, he isn't so important. He is, too. He marshals my hair. <laughs> You do? Well, I must make an appointment with him. My hair needs a wave, doesn't it, Mary? Yeah, but you better do it quick. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I got all the hair I need. You have? Then what's that shiny spot in the back? That's where he parks his car. Oh. <laughs> it is not. That's where I used to worry. And, Mary, I told you to lay off my car. It's my property. I bought it. And I'm the one that has to make the payment. Payments? I thought it came in a box of Cracker Jack. Well, I suppose that doesn't cost money. (laughs) Anyway, we're wasting a lot of time. Let's get in the mood for our sketch. Play something, Phil, while I get into my stethoscope. Mary, have you seen my white jacket any place? (laughs) 
Free from Dreaming, played by Phil Harris and his M.D.'s, Musical Demon. And now for our play, Wife, Doctor, and Nurse. The opening scene... Hey, is... Jack. Yes, Kenny? Here's the mustache you sent me for. Isn't it nice? Let's see it. Oh, a pretty green one. <laughs> Kenny, you're the only person in the world that would ever think of buying a green mustache. Ain't it the truth? <laughs> Certainly is. Imagine putting a green mustache under my nose. If I was your upper lip, I'd walk out. Well, it'll have to do. And now for our play, folks. Wife, doctor, and nurse. The opening scene is the office of Dr. Benny, where we find his staff, his nurse, and some assorted patients. Curtain. Music. Hello, Dr. Benny's office. Sorry, the doctor's out doing research work. He's down at Minsky's studying anatomy. Goodbye. Minsky's. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Benny's office. What's that? Your husband followed a collar button? Well, that's not so serious. Oh, it was in a shirt. Well, I'll tell the doctor. Goodbye. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Miss Livingston. Is the patient in 503 showing any improvement? Oh, he's much better. This morning, he chased me all around the room. Well, he always does that, doesn't he? Yeah, but today he caught me. <laughs> well, we'll have to discharge him. Say, doctor, are we operating on Mr. Wilson today? Yes, doctor, yes. But first, we must take another X-ray. Uh, what does this chart read, Miss Livingston? Uh, here it is. He has a marked febrile reaction and a high leukocytosis. Mm -hmm. But the polynuclear cells and the lymphocytes show no toxic changes. Oh, that's terrible. Terrible. No, doctor, that's good. Oh, is it? <laughs> well, that's fine. Hmm, only two guesses and I got the wrong one. <laughs> uh, what about Mrs. Smith and 218? Well, doctor, her scoliosis is impaired, but her sonic index is below par. Hmm. What do you think of that? Nothing. You're not going to catch me again. <laughs> I'll be in my office for the next hour. Call me when we're ready for uh, Mr. Wilson. I'll do that, doctor. Oh, Dr. Benny. Yes, Dr. Baker. I wish you'd give me something. I got an awful stomachache. Well, you're a doctor. Why don't you treat yourself? Not me. I charge too much. <laughs> Well, dicker a little. You'll come down. <laughs> I'll, uh... I'll be in my office, Miss Livingston. Miss Livingston. Miss Livingston! What's the meaning of this? What? Who put pants on that skeleton? I did. Doesn't he look cute? Cute? Who ever heard of a skeleton with pants? I saw it in Esquire. Well, take them off. Yes, sir. Oh, Doctor, I forgot to tell you, your wife is in the reception room. My wife? Show her right in. I can't. That's the part Loretta Young was supposed to play. Well, get somebody else to play it. We've got to go on. Get anybody. Oh, all right. Hmm, it's a fine how-do-you-do. Uh, this way, Mrs. Benny. Oh, hello, dear. Hello, darling. <laughs> it's a fine substitute. I'm so glad you dropped in, dear. Have you been shopping? Yes, I bought the cutest pink rompers for Junior with little blue pockets. <laughs> oh, for Junior. I can hardly wait till he puts them on. If I'm Junior, I'll scream. Get out of here. Well, darling, run along now. I'm very busy. I'll be home early. Oh, you say that every night, and I keep waiting and waiting. <laughs> But this time, I mean it. What are we having for dinner, honey? Oh, chicken pot pie, and I made it with my own little hand. Oh, goody, I'll bet it's lousy. 
Now run along, dear. I'm very busy. But first I gotta have some money. I want to buy some lingerie. Lingerie? Well, all right, underwear. <laughs> all right, here's $25. Now go. Oh, wait a minute. Why don't you introduce me to your friend? What friend? That's a skeleton. Skeleton? Yeah. Well, it was his own fault for coming to you. <laughs> Now, scram, dear. Get out of here. I got lots of work to do. All righty. Goodbye. It's a fine mix-up. I'm so mad I could operate on somebody. <laughs> yes? Oh, doctor, we're all ready for Mr. Wilson. Fine. Get Dr. Baker and Dr. Harris immediately. First, we must have another x-ray to confirm the diagnosis. Prepare everything. Yes, doctor. Well, here we are. Everything set? Yes, Doctor. We're all ready, Doctor. Well, Mr. Wilson, are you nervous? Uh, no, no, Doctor, not a bit. Well, I am. <laughs> Have you had any new symptoms? Uh, no, Doctor. I still keep saying strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. <laughs> and you still see those big red letters on the box? Oh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> More serious than I thought. Well, we'll have to take another X-ray. Stand over there a little so you're in focus. Is this all right? Fine. Now, ready for the picture. Turn on the machine. Quiet, everybody. Quiet. Quiet. Quiet on the set. Camera. We're turning. Action. <laughs> Dr. Baker, notice how high the right diagram, uh, diaphragm is. And the epiglottis keeps the... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Baker, you notice how high the right diaphragm is, and the epiglottis seems to be a little swollen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Look, Doc, he seems to have hepatic hypertrophy. What's that? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> yes. Oh, Doc, look, he's got coins in his pocket. Don't grab, I saw him first. <laughs> Wait, look at that abnormal shadow on the left side. We must remove it at once. That's his heart. Oh, then that wouldn't be cricket. <laughs> Ah, but you notice he has that same epi... That same epi... That same condition. Right. Rush him to the surgery. What's the matter with me, doctor? Absolutely. We must operate at once. Oh, doctor, doctor, we're all out of ether. Out of ether? What do we do? Squeeze Kenny. That's it. Let's hurry. Last one in the operating room is a rotten How's Mr. Wilson getting along? Fine, fine. Uh, was the operation a success? It certainly was. Liberty Magazine gave it four stars. <laughs> Darn it. What are you mad about? That's two more than they gave my picture. <laughs> well, I must dash home now. See you in the morning, Miss Livingston. Good night. Oh, wait a minute, Doctor. Before you go, there's a patient been waiting all day to see you. Very well. Send him in. Uh, step right in the office, sir. Thank you, my little white pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Doctor. Hello, Schleppo. My, 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 you got a fancy office with snappy furniture. <laughs> I'll bet you're charging 20. No, 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 my fees are reasonable. $5 for an office visit and $15 if I come to your house. If you catch me home, I deserve it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Schlepp, uh, what seems to be the trouble with you? I don't know, Ducky. One minute I'm hot, the next minute I'm cold, and then I'm ringing wet. Well, those are alarming symptoms. When did you first notice them? This morning, when I took a shower. 
Well, that's simple. Just give up bathing. You're perfectly all right. No, no, Doc. I don't feel so good. I think you should give me some medicine. But you don't need medicine. You're perfectly normal. But I feel sick in the vitabrakes. <laughs> but you're not sick, Slap. You're the picture of health. I'm dying, and he's talking pictures. <laughs> now, Slap, believe me, there's nothing wrong with you. Well, why don't you be more of a salesman? But look, Slap, I can't do it. I got prestige. I've got ethics. Who cares what you got? I'm the patient. <laughs> but I don't want to take your money. There's nothing the matter with you. Nothing the matter with me, you fucking. I got headaches. I got chills. I got pains in my back. I got rheumatism in my arms. And not only that, my feet hurt. Oh, come, come, Slap. Why, that's impossible. Impossible? Why? Because... You can't have everything... Be satisfied with the little you may have. I must have everything. The way I suffer and the troubles that I have. Live, slap, your cares will be forgotten. But I feel rotten. And when you're down to Dixie, say hello to Trixie. Poor rich man, beggar or king. You can't have everything. And thus, ladies and gentlemen, ends another one of our highly dramatic offers. Wife, doctor, and nurse. Did you like it? Hmm? Well, play Everybody likes the excitement of a thrilling new dessert. And that's what I'm going to tell you about right now. You'll find swell new recipes on every package of Jell-O. A tempting variety of suggestions for all kinds of desserts and salads that will give you many new ideas for planning your winter meals. Here's one delicious dessert called Macaroon Velvet. Made with rich cherry red Jell-O, crushed macaroons, and toasted almonds. It's a grand company dish, but it's inexpensive. Here's another. Fruit Symphony, made with shimmering green lime jello combined with grapefruit, orange, and canned pineapple. A year-round fruit dessert that's lovely to look at and even better to eat. There are lots of other recipe hints on the different jello packages. They're all appetizing and easy, but you must be sure to get genuine jello. For you'll find these recipes only on the jello boxes, and only jello brings you that delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. All six flavors of Jell-O are crammed with luscious, real fruit goodness. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. So get the best. Insist on the one and only genuine Jell-O. number of the fourth program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. I hope you all liked our little play, and that you will all... Answer the phone, Mary. Hello? Yes? Oh, Jack, it's Loretta Young. Well, tell her it's too late. Not for what she has to say. Good night, folks.
This is the National Broadcasting Company.